0: Chapter 10 of The Death Ship. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Death Ship by William Clark Russell. Chapter 10 We Draw Close to a Strange and Luminous Ship. Now, I might have stood thus for ten minutes when i was awakened from my dream by an eager feverish muttering of voices forward and on a sudden the harsh notes of a seaman belonging to my watch cried out Do you see that sail right broad abeam sir i sprang from my leaning posture and peered but my eyes were heavy the night was dark and whilst i stared several of the sailors came hurriedly aft to where i stood and said all speaking together there see her sir look yonder mr fenton and their arms to a man shot out to point as if every one levelled a pistol though i could not immediately make out the object i was not surprised by the consternation the sailors were in for such was the mood and temper of the whole company that not the most familiar and prosaic craft that floats on the ocean could have broken through the obscurity of the night upon their gaze without tickling their superstitious instincts till the very hair of their heads crawled to the inward motions in a few moments sure enough i made out the loom of what looked a large ship out on the starboard beam as well as i could distinguish she was close-hauled and so standing as to pass under our stern she made a sort of faintness upon the sea and sky where she was nothing more and even to be sure of her it was necessary to look a little on one side or the other of her for if you gazed full she went out as a dim distant light at sea does thus viewed she may be an enemy i cried there should be no lack of dutch or even french hereabouts quick lads to stations send the boatswain here i ran to the companion-hatch and called loudly to mr hall he had fallen asleep on a locker and came running in a blind sort of way to the foot of the ladder shouting out what is it what is it i answered that there was a large ship heading directly for us whereupon he was instantly wide awake and sprang up the ladder crying where away where away if there was any wind i could feel none yet some kind of draught there must have been for the ship out in the darkness, held a brave luff, which proved her under command. We, on the other hand, rested upon the liquid ebony of the ocean with square yards, the mizzen furled, the starboard clew of the mainsail hoisted, and the greater number of our staysails down. Whilst Mr. Hall stared in the direction of the ship, the boatswain arrived for orders. The mate turned smartly to me and said. We must make ready and take our chance. Bosun, pipe to quarters, and Mr Fenton, see all clear. For the second time in my watch the boatswain's pipe shrilled clear to the canvas from whose stretched still folds the sounds broke away in ghostly echoes. We were not a man of war, had no drums, and to martial duties we could but address ourselves clumsily, but all felt that there might be a great danger in the pale shadow yonder that had seemed to ooze out upon our eyes from the darkness as strangely as a cloud shapes itself upon a mountain-top so we tumbled about quickly and wildly enough got our little batteries clear put on the hatch gratings and tarpaulins opened the magazine lighted the matches provided the guns with spare breeches and tackles, and stood ready for whatever was to come. All this we contrived with the aid of one or two lanterns, very secretly moved about, as Mr. Hall did not wish us to be seen making ready. But the want of light delayed us, and by the time we were fully prepared, the strange ship had insensibly floated down to about three-quarters of a mile upon our starboard quarter, at that distance it was too black to enable us to make anything of her, but we comforted ourselves by observing that she did not offer to alter her course, whence we might reasonably hope that she was a peaceful trader like ourselves. She showed no lights, her sails were all that was visible of her, owing to the hue they put into the darkness over her hull. It was a time of heavy trial to our patience our ship had come to a dead stand as it was easy to discover by looking over the side where the small pale puffs of phosphoric radiance that flashed under water at the depth of a man's hand from our vessel's strakes whenever she rolled no matter how daintily to the swell hung glimmering for a space in the selfsame spot where they were discharged nor was there the least sound of water in motion under our counter unless it were the gurgling drowning sobbing you hear there on a still night when the stern stoops to the drop of the fold and raises that strange hollow noise of washing all about the rudder i would to mercy a breeze would come if only to resolve her said mr hall to me in a low voice there's but little fun to be got out of this sort of waiting at this rate we must keep the men at their stations till daylight to find out what she is pleasant if she should prove some lump of a dutch man-of-war she shows uncommonly large don't you think fenton so do we to her i dare say in this obscurity i replied but i doubt that she's a man-of-war i've been watching her closely and have never once caught sight of the least gleam of a light aboard her maybe the officer of the watch and the lookout are sound asleep said he with a slight and not very merry laugh and if she steered on her quarter-deck she'll be too deep-waisted perhaps for the helmsman to see us i heard him say this without closely heeding it for my attention at that moment was attracted by what was unquestionably the enlargement of her pallid shadow sure proof that she had shifted her helm and was slowly coming round so as to head for us. Mr. Hall noticed this as soon as I. Ha! he cried. They mean to find out what we are, eh? They've observed us at last. Does she bring an air with her that she's under control, or is it that she's lighter and taller than we? It was beyond question, because she was lighter and taller, and having been kept close-hauled to the faint draught, had made more of it than we who carried it aft. Besides, we were loaded down to our chain-plate bolts with cargo, and the water and other stores we had shipped at the Cape. Yet her approach was so sluggish as to be imperceptible, and I would not like to say that our gradual drawing together was not as much due to the current, which, off this coast, runs strong to the westward, setting us, who were deep, faster towards her than it set her from us, as it was also owing to the strange attraction which brings becalmed vessels near to each other often indeed to their having to be towed clear by their boats meanwhile the utter silence on board the stranger the blackness in which her hull lay hidden the strangeness of her bracing in her yards to head up for us without any signal being shown that she designed to fight us wrought such a fit of impatience in mr hall that he swung his body from the backstay he clutched in movements positively convulsive are they all dead aboard on such a night as this one should be able to hear the least sound the hauling taut of a tackle the rasping of the wheel ropes she surely doesn't hope to catch us napping said i god knows cried the mate what would i give now for a bit of moon if it's to be a fight it'll have to be a shooting match for a spell or wind must come quickly said i but if she meant mischief wouldn't she head to pass under our stern where she could rake us rather than steer to come broadside on instead of responding the mate sprang on to the bulwark rail and in tones such as only the practised and powerful lungs of a seaman can fling roared out ho the ship ahoy WE LISTENED WITH SO FIERCE A STRAIN OF ATTENTION THAT THE VERY BEATING OF OUR HEARTS RUNG IN OUR EARS, BUT NOT A SOUND CAME ACROSS THE WATER. TWICE YET DID MR. HALL HAIL THAT pallid FABRIC, SHAPELESS AS YET IN THE DARK AIR, BUT TO NO PURPOSE. ON THIS THERE WAS MUCH WHISPERING AMONG THE MEN CLUSTERED ABOUT THE GUNS. THEIR VOICES CAME ALONG IN A LOW, GRUMBLING SOUND, like the growling of dogs, dulled by threats. Silence, fore and aft, cried the mate. We don't know what she is, but we know what we are, and, as Englishmen, we surely have spirit enough for whatever may come. There was silence for some minutes after these few words. Then the muttering broke out afresh, but scattered, a group talking to larboard, another on the forecastle, and so forth. Meanwhile, the vessels, all insensibly, had continued to draw closer and closer to each other. A small clarification of the atmosphere happening past the stranger suffered a dim disclosure of her canvas, whence I perceived that she had nothing set above her top-gallant sails, though it was impossible to see whether she carried royal masts, or indeed whether the yards belonging to those masts were crossed on them. Her hull had now also stolen out into a pitch-black shadow, and after gazing at it with painful intentness for some moments, I was extravagantly astonished to observe a kind of crawling and flickering of light, resembling that which burnt in the sea, stirring like glow-worms along the vessel's side i was about to direct mr hall's attention to this thing when he said in a subdued voice fenton do you notice the faint shining about her hull what in god's name can it be he had scarce uttered these words when a sailor on the starboard side of our ship whom i recognized by the voice as one ephraim jacobs an elderly sober pious minded seaman cried out with a sort of scream in his notes as I hope to be forgiven my sins for Jesus' sake, yon's the ship that was cursed last century. End of chapter 10. Recording by Linda Johnson.